CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, Ben Jarofsky show starts now. Let's go. Yes, it is Thursday, March 21st, and live from the Chicago Reader's Suntime Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we're talking Lollapalooza and politics. That's right, Lollapalolitics, <laughs> with the Chicago Reader's Lior Galil. Jake Lewis of the Chicago Federation of Labor will join us. And we welcome the 10th Ward Alderwoman, Sue Sedlowski-Garza. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Split State Thursday. And here's why. So for the last few weeks, we've been utterly obsessed with the Chicago political showdown, a.k.a. Tony Preckwinkle versus Lori Lightfoot, 12-round heavyweight bout. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, we're talking about that mayor all right. So we almost, it's so overwhelming, we've almost forgotten that the rest of the state exists. We're talking about the state of Illinois, you know, that state, the one we live in, the one we were utterly obsessively talking about mm, about six months ago, D, when it was Pritzker versus Rauner in the 12-round heavyweight showdown. Oh, those radio days. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes, radio days. Anyway, that was a long time ago in many ways, but all but forgotten that state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that state even exists. It's been so obsessed with Chicago politics, with the mayor's race. But, you know, I got a reminder in today's bright one, my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered as always. Show those listeners that newspaper. There it is, folks. Come on, a real newspaper. Anyway, newspaper arrived today, and there was a story on page two by Tina Spondellis, bulldog political reporter for the Sun-Times, entitled, Illinois' Great Divide. Talks about a poll by the Paul Simon Institute that shows, are you ready for this? J.B. Pritzker, our newly elected Democratic governor, is almost as unpopular in the state as one president, Donald John Trump. I'm not a perfect person. Yeah, that J.B. Pritzker. Uh, uh, no collusion. Anyway, uh, Pritzker's almost as unpopular as uh, Donald Trump. Let's just think about this, folks. Uh, J.B. Pritzker, that's the guy who signed the law that would raise the minimum wage in the state of Illinois, giving the working poor uh, a little more money, is almost as unpopular in the state as the president of the United States, who last year pushed through a tax break for the richest of the rich. So he made the richest of the rich even poorer. So the guy who helped the poorest of the working poor is as unpopular in the state as the guy who helps the richest of the rich. Wow, man, we are a weird people. All right, we're going to take a little deeper dive, and we'll see that a lot of this breaks down geographically. For instance, downstate, where the doctor hails from. The, you better believe it. The almighty 618. Hey, everybody, I'm from the 618. Oh, that's a great impression <laughs> of me. 
Been working on that, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my doctor impression. Anyway, all right, from the uh, 618, let's see. Uh, downstate, Trump's approval-disapproval rating was 50% approved. 46% disapproved, all right? So more people approve of the Donald downstate than uh, disapprove of him. So he's doing pretty well yeah, in the downstate. sounds about right. If they could just cut the downstate off from the rest of the state, Donald Trump would win Illinois. Uh, <laughs> what was the dude who said we should divide the state into three? Oh, uh, uh, Robert Marshall. Yeah, we had him on the show, remember? All right, so now, okay, we, I'm glad you came here for the meeting, everybody. All right, I got this plan. Thanks for coming, everybody. What, what we're going to do here is we're going to take... <laughs> Illinois and divided into three. Three. Wait, where's everybody going? Where are you going? I kind of liked Marshall. He was running. He was cool. He was running for governor. He had the map. He wasn't quite sure about the specifics. Well, just general specifics. You know, the idea of. Oh, you divided into three, guys. Wait, where are you going? <laughs> this is genius. Uh, anyway, so all right, so Trump's more popular uh, downstate. Meanwhile, upstate or whatever the, we call the Chicago area, Pritzker's strongest numbers were, unsurprisingly, according to Tina Svandela's story, in Chicago, where fifty percent approved of his performance and twenty-eight disapproved. Hmm. It's so weird, man, that the guy who gave the poorest of the poor, the billionaire governor who gave the poorest of the poor a raise is about as popular in the state as the billionaire president who gave the richest of the rich a raise. (laughs) You know, and these are the same people in the state of Illinois, downstate and upstate, who over the last few years are not... Unbinding, non-binding referendums have approved the idea of giving, raising the minimum wage and slapping a tax on the wealthy so he can fund government programs. Okay? So Pritzker's got a plan right that, right, like, ugh, I can't even talk. Pritzker has a plan like that right now that would raise taxes on the wealthiest of the wealthy. And he's still unpopular throughout the state of He's giving people what they want and they still don't like him. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> Yeah, man, that that could be the voters of Illinois talking. All right. <laughs> now, by the way, I just got to say this. Um, it, the uh, It's only been, what, two months since Pritzker's been in office? Two months? He's been in office for two months? Uh, already, according to this poll, 70% of Republicans don't like the job he's doing. So, folks, whatever happened to the idea of a honeymoon? You know, like, give a guy a chance? I mean, That's over. Yeah, that's over. I I gave Mayor Rahm a longer honeymoon than most of the Republican voters in the state of Illinois have given Pritzker. I gave Mayor Rahm. Let's hold on, D. I'm going to do it. Before I criticized him, 2011, he he was sworn in in May. So made it June. I gave him a three months honeymoon. Oh, wow, did you go to the Daniel Biss Mathematic <laughs> Academy? I had to do that. Wait, hold on. One, two, three. Yes, I. I want to tell you something, D. I went to Emerson High School and I studied algebra there. Okay, I know my mathematics. All right. I also took geometry while we're at the subject. Anyway, face it, folks. We live in a separate world. We live in a divided world. You know, the one side. Uh, is Trump. The other side is Democrat. And you just are not going to bring those two sides together after what is it? After all, two years of Donald Trump, you know, like yesterday, for instance, I had on the show Alderman Nick Spazzato from the 38th Ward, who is a Democrat, uh, but he is a Democrat who actually voted for Donald John Trump. And he was explaining himself on the show yesterday. Man, you should heard of the howls of protest from my lefty for Why are you putting Spazzato on? Why are you letting a Trump voter on? You know, like we're just supposed to pretend they don't exist. Look, Dems, 
You want to beat Donald Trump? Well, how are you going to beat Donald Trump if you don't even listen to some folks from the other side of the political spectrum? We got a great show today, everybody. Lior Galil. Yes, indeed. Lior Galil from The Reader. We're going to be talking about Lollapalooza and politics. All right, Lollapalooza and politics. Lollapalooza's schedule just came out last week, or excuse me, just came out yesterday. So he's going to be breaking down all the uh, bands. And you know every single band playing, correct? Uh, actually, I, I know more than I realized. There's a great number of them I do not know. That is correct. Uh, Miles, the editor, is here to help me well, I remember this. last year, you, wouldn't just, you were just raving about the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> That is such a not, a not, that is so not true, everybody. Did I even know who the Arctic Monkeys were? Yeah, of course. You're, oh, yeah. you're being coy again. All right. I do have the Arctic Monkey tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> I admit that. Anyway, Lior will be breaking. I'll also be talking about what's going on in the 40th Ward where Andre Vasquez is running for Aldermore. Everything's political, folks. Andre Vasquez, a, a rapper back in the day, is now uh, running for Alderman against Patrick O'Connor, who is one of Mayor Rahm's closest allies. And uh, O'Connor is hammering him, hammering Vasquez uh, with flyers that. Uh, repeat uh, lyrics from his controversial rapping days so uh, we'll get Lior's thoughts on that rappers running uh, for uh, running for alderman uh, Sue Sadlowski Garza one of my favorite politicians in the whole world the pride and joy of the 10th ward will be in here uh, from the southeast side see what she has to say about the political wheels and dealings going on in our state and Jake Lewis, the man, the myth, the legend from the Chicago Federation of Labor. He's always ready to talk politics. So we have a lot of political discussion ahead of us, mixed in with a little music and rap. Yo, yo. But before oh, we do any he's of hip, that. He's hip, guys. <laughs> he's hip. Watch out. Oh, man. I can just you, see the, the younger audience <laughs> coming in, baby. All those yeah, downloads. Man, talk about Chance the Rapper. I just did that, man. Our numbers are off the charts. <laughs> Anyway, before we do any of, that, any of that, the doctor with the news. All right, everybody, it's the middle of the day, and coming up, we're going to unpack last night's Chicago mayoral debate. But first, let's find out what's happening uh, nationally in the national news this afternoon. Yeah, Donald Trump pulled a 180 on us this morning, people. As Robert Mueller's Russian collusion investigation draws to a close, and after a CNN poll showing that 87% of the public agree, President Trump is now saying that the details in Mueller's Russian investigation should, should be made to the public. I don't mind. I mean, frankly, I told the House, if you want, let them see it. Again, I say a deputy, because of the fact that the attorney general uh, didn't have the courage to do it himself, a deputy that's appointed appoints another man to write a report. I just won an election with... 63 million votes or so, 63 million. I had 206 to 223 in the Electoral College, 306 to 223. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, I just won one of the greatest elections of oh, all time God. in the history of this country, and even you will admit that, and now I have somebody writing a report that never got a vote? The White uh, House cleaning staff, always vacuuming. <laughs> All right, you know that Donald Trump. We love, we love this bit. He loves to uh, meet the press as he's standing. What is it? A, a airplane or a helicopter? Air Force One. Yeah, it's Air Force One. So they get the engines going up, so nobody can really get a question in. So you, all you have is Donald Trump bellowing out whatever his message of the uh -huh. day is. Can't hear the question. Sorry. 
Oh, my God. He's a funny guy, that Donald Trump. Uh, the, the attorney general, of course, he's alluding to is Jeff Sessions, who had to recuse himself on the investigation uh, of and potential collusion uh, by the Russians with the Trump uh, campaign into the uh, stealing of emails from the Democratic computer. Let's forget that. Let's not forget that there was a crime committed. They snuck into those computers and took their emails, folks. How would you feel if someone did that to you? So he had to recuse himself from that one. Trump's outraged that he would do that. Oh, uh, you know, he's just supposed to bury the evidence. And uh, well, I guess that's what Trump wants him to do. So here we are. The Mueller report's about to come out. And as we see uh, Tina Fandelis' story about Illinois' great divide, I don't know, D, if you'll ever persuade uh, you know, the heart and soul of the Republican Party uh, that Donald Trump has done anything wrong. They're sticking with their man uh, through thick and thin. But uh, there's, uh, you know, all the Democrats who are lined against them and the almighty swing voters, the independent mind. There's some swing voters down there in Alton, aren't there, D? You know, yeah, they're down there. The 618. They Absolutely. Some, you know, our good friend Bob Dybert always told us, don't overlook downstate voters, all right? Don't overlook them. And um, so, yeah, they're, um, we got to see the truth, folks. You want to bury your head in the sand? Or do you want to know the truth? I'm always into, into knowing what the truth is. So I welcome the Mueller report, and uh, I welcome Donald Trump welcoming the Mueller report. Oh, wait, what's that, Donald Trump? No collusion. Oh, okay. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, yeah, no I collusion. knew you were going to say that. Well, it must be true if Donald says it. So, yeah, that's going on. Oh, and he's still trash-talking on his uh, employee, Kellyanne Conway's husband, George Conway. Oh, yeah. By the way, fantastic name for a country singer, by the way, George Conway. George Conway. But, you uh, got to know when to hold them. No when singing. to hold them. Sorry. He recently called uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband a whack job. <laughs> And surprise, surprise, he went AWOL on him via Twitter, calling him a loser and a husband from hell. Uh, now I do have Donald Trump's Twitter feed open on my browser. Just hang tight with me, uh, audience here. Just let me switch over here, and uh, we will read the tweet from our president. Hold tight. Hold on. It's our president of the United States, folks. Yeah, the man you elected president of the United States of America. Okay, we're on right, Donald Trump's we Twitter page. All right, here we go, everybody. This is the tweet from Donald Trump. Oh, boy. All right. George Conway, (laughs) often referred to as Mr. Kellyanne Conway, (laughs) by those who know him, is very, all caps, very jealous of his wife's success and angry that I, with her help, didn't give him the job. He so desperately wouldn't. I barely know him. But just take a look. A stone-cold loser, (laughs) all caps, loser. And husband from hell. Oh my God, husband! Imagine you're Kellyanne Conway. You got to come to work every day. Then you go home. You got George Conway. Yeah, he does sound like a guy. You got a new window. The window. And then you come. Uh, you go to work, and you got Donald Trump bellowing about your husband, and your husband's bellowing about Trump. Oh, poor Kellyanne Conway. Almost makes me feel sorry for her. you. Know. All right, everybody. George. Almost. 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 Yeah. Keyword. Almost. Uh, George Conway is a Washington lawyer, and he's a Republican, and he's a conservative, but he's been critical of Donald Trump. He represents the faction of the Republican Party, a very small faction, sort of like the John McCain wing of the Republican Party that is uh, uh, not afraid to occasionally criticize Donald Trump when he does something stupid and embarrassing. Uh, and 
and uh, unpresidential, which is pretty much something he does every single day. Uh, boy, have the Republicans lowered the standards when it comes to the decorum of the president of the United States. Uh, at some point, D, all you have to do, you got to laugh. You know, here we have, by the way, we're going to get into this with Laura Galeel, who talked about this earlier. Uh, in the 40th Ward in the city of Chicago, Patrick O'Connor, close ally, Rahm Emanuel, and Mayor Daley, their floor leader, is shocked. Shocked, I tell you, that Andre Vasquez's opponent in the race was once a rapper and had misogynistic uh, lyrics to his songs. But meanwhile, the president of the United States is waging war. Mr. P. Grabber himself, remember that? Well, in fact, I was with Miles when that story broke. I don't know if you remember. I was over at, um, at Miles' house. was Dad's house, actually. Miles Editor Miles? Yeah, Editor Miles. Yes, thank you we for saying We had a Miles it. on the show yesterday. Yeah, that no? is true. I don't want to confuse our <laughs> listeners. In 2016, I remember it so well. We were watching the Cubs. It was either the World Series or the playoffs. I can't remember which one. And the story broke. Uh, about Donald Trump being caught uh, talking about grabbing women by the P word. Oh, you were oh, editing yeah. yourself so well today. Man. Yes, I am. Remember that, Miles? I remember that. I was like, oh my God. Miles was there, was all his friends were there, and, and his dad, uh, Cap, I see you, Cap. I go, guys, you won't believe what Donald Trump just did. Remember that, Miles? I remember that, yeah. yeah. And then your friends were like, wow. They started, they went on their phones. Wow, man. We all started looking at it on our phones. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell? This is the man. No, And everybody's like, no way he's going to get Colin. A little shout out to Colin. who's heading off to the Navy right now. <laughs> hey, Colin, I see him, yeah. Colin. Yep. Colin said, no way. No way this man's going to get elected uh, president. And guess what? Here we are, three years later. All right, that's enough Trump news for the time being. Let's move on. Now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Benny J, mm-hmm. quick question here. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling you know what it is. Oh, but no, no, I'm stunned. I don't know what it is. I'm really on pins and needles. You ready to find out pins. what's going on in uh, Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon? I was born ready. I love that answer. Fantastic <laughs> answer, because coming up after the break, people, we are going to find out well, what happened in this mayoral debate, and we're going to find out what else is news. All right, I can't wait. It's time of day where the doctor pulls that little trick out of his little sleeve. We'll see what it is when we return. Take it away, Nick Offerman. Hi, this is Nick Offerman. I'm taking my show on the road and subjugating an audience to my humor. All rise, American humorist Nick Offerman is coming September 15th on stage at the Chicago Theater. It's an evening of deliberative talking and light dance that will compel you to chuckle while enjoining you to brandish a better side of humor humanity than the one to which we have grown accustomed. Reserved seats are on sale noon Friday, March 22nd at the box office or at Ticketmaster.com. Don't miss Nick Offerman live. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We are live. We're about to do the local news. Uh, Lior Galil has entered the studio. Always love it when my guests come early, man. So Lior Galil is here. He's getting ready to, he's going to warm up, get ready to talk Lollapalooza, uh, Andre Vasquez, uh, 40th Ward, uh, rappers running for office, all that good stuff. And uh, But first... The doctor with the news. Absolutely. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for What Else is News, and the magic number is 12. Holy cow, where does, does the time go here? Well, 12 days, uh, less than two weeks away from our 2019 Chicago runoff elections. And, well, yesterday we purposely looked away from the mayoral mud fight happening at the moment. A mud fight between the Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle and former prosecutor slash Chicago Police Board President Lori Lightfoot. Uh, but, Ben, I hope you joined, uh, enjoyed that mini mayoral vacay we had there because, yeah, we're back at it, buddy. <laughs> Time to get back in the mud. I know. I Remember I said, oh, I'm going to talk about the state? Boom, we're right back in the air's race. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we got to talk about last night's Chicago mayoral debate here. It okay. was, well, it was 
Actually, pretty formal and a little boring, but we do have the highlights. Uh, We'll play those for you in moments. But first, well, Benny J saw this one coming a mile away. Chicago native hip-hop artist Chance the Rapper just made his mayoral endorsement. And, uh, hey, here's a change. It's not a Lori Lightfoot endorsement for once. (laughs) I've seen a lot of those lately. No, no. Chance the Rapper is, in fact, backing Tony Preckwinkle in the 2019 Chicago mayoral runoff election. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I predicted that a couple days ago, Lior. We'll see what Lior has to say about this. Uh, uh, Of course, Chance the Rapper's father is a longtime uh, aide to various politicians in the city, including Rahm Emanuel, Barack Obama, and he had already endorsed, the father did, uh, Tony Preckwinkle. So there was a split in the family in the first round where Chance was with Amara Enya, uh, who was on our show last week. Just going to give a shout out. Folks can download that show. Uh, and uh, his father had endorsed Tony. So, yeah, you got to figure that was going to happen. Anything else you'd like to add about the Chance the Rapper Tony uh, Preckwinkle endorsement? No, because we're going to be talking about it with Lior. Excellent, excellent. That's a tease, guys, coming up. <laughs> Stick around, all right? Lior's going to be talking about that with us. All right, now let's unpack this debate here. The debate was aired on ABC7 Chicago. Shout out to them for the audio we're going to play. And uh, while the ABC7 crew did a decent job, it did not go unnoticed by this poorly uneducated <laughs> downstater. When it comes to moderating a debate, ABC7 yeah. has nothing on Carol Marine of NBC5 Chicago. Just saying. Oh, no, Carol Marine is the Ladies, ladies, separate, separate. <laughs> She's awesome when it comes to these debates. But let's run through the debate here. Now, last night's debate began pretty much how all of these Preckwinkle and Lightfoot debates uh, start out with tons, tons of talk about change. Yeah, that's right. They talk about it a lot. Well, I actually think it's change versus the status quo. Well, you know, my whole career has been about change. We have an opportunity to break from that past and bring real meaningful change. And change is action and results, not simply words. It's not just the desire for change. Change is difficult. Change, 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 change. A lot of change. A lot of change, man. They should have had the song, should have been Changes, one of Lior Galil's favorite songs from the 70s. By David Bowie. You know that song, don't you, D? Oh, yeah, I know that song. Yeah, yeah. Changes. Anyway. No singing. I'm sorry. We got the listeners. We got to keep them. You singing will not have us keep I'm going to ask Lior if he likes Changes by David Bowie. All right. Later in the show. That's more teasing. So tons of change talk, all right? But we're just going to get right to the issues here. I have audio from both candidates on quite a few issues. Uh, First up, it's one we discussed a couple of weeks back, Chicago's business community. Mm, All right. What about them? Let's hear what the candidates have to say about Chicago's business community. We will start off with Tony Preckwinkle. Mm -hmm. Erica Maldonado. What are you going to do to continue the stream of companies and businesses in downtown Chicago that brings a so important revenue to the city? But also, what are you going to do to guarantee that a good part of that money is invested uh, to improve the quality of life of residents that are living neighborhoods that most needed it in the south side and the west side of Chicago. You know, Chicago is a great city and downtown is an economic engine, not just for our city, but for our region and for our state. And so we clearly need to focus on uh, downtown development, but we have to balance that development with concern about our neighborhoods. We cannot have a world-class city. We cannot have strong neighborhoods without strong schools, without people feeling safe in their homes, and without investing in our communities. So we really have to take on the challenge of balancing downtown development and neighborhood development. 
And I've, this is the work I've done in my life, <laughs> frankly, trying to build up communities and working with community residents and uh, in, in school personnel to improve our, our quality of our public schools, working with the development community, the housing authority and community residents to build up our neighborhoods, revitalize our neighborhoods, and working with police commanders and local officers and community residents to improve public safety in our neighborhoods. This is difficult work. It's work that I've done my entire life. Thank you, President. And here's Lori Lightfoot. So the premise of your question is an either or choice. It's not. It's a, it's, it has to be both. We have to continue the growth in our downtown area because the downtown is really the economic engine, not only of Chicago, but in the entire region and the state. We set records for tourism. We need to keep that record flowing. But we also need to be mindful of the fact that we cannot continue to have our neighborhoods that are starving. Uh, we need to build up small business activity in our neighborhoods. We obviously need to make sure that we are addressing the violence that is raging out of control. We need to deal with the fact that we have too many people who don't have hope, don't have jobs, and don't have a con connectivity to the legitimate economy. We cannot continue to tolerate the fact that in many of our neighborhoods, the illegal drug trade um, is the largest employer. So we have specific plans to address that, but it begins with focusing in the neighborhoods in particular on small business growth. Thank you, Ms. Lightfoot. President Preckwinkle, you have the rebuttal. You know, I, I think it's important that if we're going to stem the, the loss of population in our city that we make it clear to our residents that we're fighting for them. And I've been a proponent of a $15 an hour minimum wage, and I'm the only candidate in this race that has a plan to implement it by 2021. I'm, I've been a big proponent of supporting our small and medium-sized businesses in our neighborhoods through both a micro-loan process and outright grants so that people can start and sustain and build their businesses. You know, we have to support our small and medium-sized businesses in our neighborhoods if we're going to have strong communities. All right, thank you, President. And Preckwinkle. All right. Well, listen, as much as I appreciate the sentiments of, uh, expressed by Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot about the need for balanced uh, economic development in the city of Chicago, I have to tell you, folks, they're, the policies of the last 25 years, and you know I'm going to say this because I write about it all the time in the reader and I talk about it all the time in this show, the policies of the last 25 years have been unbalanced development in the city of Chicago. The whole economic development program that the city of Chicago has, the TIF program, is designed to fuel gentrification, build property values in the city, spread out the kind of development we've had from the loop into the uh, next ring of neighborhoods so that it becomes more and more expensive to live in the city of Chicago. This has been the planning strategy of both Mayor Richard M. Daley and Mayor Rahm Emanuel, and I have to say, Neither one of these candidates, Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot, at any point over the last 20 years really had much to say about it in opposition. Just telling it like it is, everybody. And this program is very much alive. This unbalanced de development is very much alive. Leo Galeo, my next guest, knows just what I'm going to say. He can read my mind. Lincoln Yards, $1.3 billion taking property taxes to fuel the development of a gentrifying north side neighborhood. Even while we need the money to do things like just saw in the front page of the this Chicago Tribune today, spate of suicides by city cops raise alarm. We're spending money redeveloping a north side neighborhood. We don't have money to have therapists to help our police officers. All right, folks, stop pretending Chicago as like this isn't a choice that has been made by the people that you've elected as your mayor. So whoever the next mayor is, 
and it's either going to be Preckwinkle or Lightfoot, obviously. Whoever wins this election, I really hope that they put their words into action and they actually deviate from the policies of the last 20 or so years. All right. Up next, an issue uh, I haven't heard brought up that much during the uh, runoff election. Homeless veterans. Here is Tony Preckwinkle on homeless veterans. There we go. The homelessness that we have for the veterans in the city of Chicago is tremendous. And what would you do to improve to get them off the street? Thank you. President Preckwinkle, you have the first opportunity to respond. Well, first of all, homelessness is a challenge, not just for our veteran community, but more broadly across the Chicago community. And let me just say, it's disgraceful that we have allowed this uh, this terrible social challenge to just fester. You know, whenever I drive down the Kennedy and, and the and the Dan Ryan, I see the tents along the fence, um, and, and we should all feel uh, responsibility for that challenge. We have to invest as a city in affordable housing for families. We have to invest in housing, supportive housing for the homeless. And historically, we have not used our own resources. We've only taken the, the money that comes from the federal government for housing purposes. And we haven't invested our own dollars in it. We need to do that. We also need, as the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless has proposed, a, a real estate transfer tax on, on properties of more than a million dollars with the resources going specifically to fund housing for the homelessness, for the homeless. This is a real challenge and it's driven in part by our inability and unwillingness to deal with some of the mental health crisis that we face. Thank you, President. All right, here's Lori Lightfoot. Ms. Lightfoot. Well, look, the, the question that the gentleman poses, I think, is the right question. What's happening with our veterans um, who have gone and risked their lives for us is frankly shameful. But it is a larger uh, issue, as President Preco has indicated. That's why we have to think expansively about it. It's not just about the people that are on the street. Clearly, that's an issue, and there's lots of different reasons as to why people are on the street. But it also involves people who are suffering housing instability, where they may not be on the street every night, but they don't have a permanent place to place their head every single night. So that's a challenge as well. Well, that is precisely why, in listening to a lot of people that are involved in this work, we have proposed a graduated real estate um, transfer tax well, that will give relief for people whose homes are valued at $500,000 or less, but will increase um, um, that amount going up. We believe that we can generate 60 to $80 million every single year to focus on homelessness, focus on the root causes of the homelessness, and um, obviously help propel the growth of affordable housing options. As Thank well. you, Ms. Lightfoot. All right, so each uh, candidate believes we should raise the real estate transfer tax to make more money available uh, to help the homeless. That's a, uh, a notable uh, pledge. And just so folks know, real estate transfer tax is the tax that's slapped on to the cost of the sales, a sale of property in uh, the city of Chicago. So the more valuable the property, the more tax it yields. And property values are going up in the city. And uh, so particularly in the Loop area, where buildings, my goodness, you know, somehow <laughs> buildings like they, I don't know if they double in value in 10 years, but they go up tremendously. So it's good to see that they're see eye to eye in that one. Let's see if they actually implement it once they're in office. And finally, I'll play maybe the most interesting part of the debate last night, and I'll hand it to ABC7 for this idea. They had the candidates ask each other a question. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. First up, it's Tony's question to Lori. To ask the first question tonight. Well, you know, change is not simply words, it's action. In the last nine years, I've balanced budgets every year. We've made $850 million in cuts. 
you know, balancing a budget is a difficult, challenging process. The city has a huge budget. What's the biggest budget that you've ever managed? It's a complicated, difficult process. How can people believe that you can run this government, let alone change it? Well, I've managed budgets at the police department, at the city's 911 center, and the $2 billion plus dollar budget at the city's procurement department. So I have a wealth of experience, not only as being a senior executive um, in different uh, departments in the city, but I've also helped um, in my uh, private practice life, small businesses, middle market businesses, really try to navigate the sometimes difficult world of city government. I've been a senior equity partner at one of the largest international law firms in the country helping CEOs and C-suite executives in some of their toughest, most difficult circumstances. But I, what I think is most important is not about our resume, it's about our resolve. It's about our resolve to form a city that is inclusive, that is responsive, and a city government that is open and transparent and is doing everything it can to move people forward. That's what people want to know about. What is our plan for the future? Resumes are, f are fine, but what we need to talk about is the plan for the future. Thank you very much, President. You have 30 seconds to respond to that. You know, I think it's, it's really important that we focus on our neighborhoods and on our communities and that we understand that if we don't invest in our neighborhoods, we're not going to be able to have a world-class city. That's what we really need to focus on, our communities and community development. And I think that's the critical challenge that is faced. And, and let me just say, I've, I've worked hard to change communities. I've, I have a history of being a change agent, and I think that's critical. It's not just about words, it's about actions. Thank you. All right, uh, Tony Preckwinkle forcefully trying to bring attention to uh, what we've been jokingly called the David Axelrod point. Uh, Axelrod, a political strategist for years and years, uh, was always articulate this. Are they ready to be mayor from day one? <laughs> You know, like somehow or other, Mayor Rahm was ready to be mayor from day one when we elected him. The guy never, uh, I don't even know if he uh, lived in Chicago, really, for more than like two or three years in his entire life. But somehow or other, he was ready to be mayor from day one. Uh, and so this is, you know, I think this may be uh, Tony Perkwinkle's greatest strength as she heads down uh, the stretch run D where um, she's going to be saying, hey, look, I've been the uh, president of the Cook County uh, Board of Commissioners. I've uh, put out budgets. I don't know how balanced they are, man. The balanced budget game, what a joke that is in county government, state government, and uh, Chicago government. But anyway, put that to the side. I've uh, put out budgets. I've dealt with uh, all the pressing issues of uh, you know, the conflicts in government and making tough decisions. And uh, Lori Lightfoot's a rookie all she is is a corporate lawyer she's never had to do this so i think it's persu i know a few voters myself who are like i don't know they feel that david axrod pull man axrod Ooh, he well, are they ready from day one day one all right and finally we'll do Lori's question to tony well, i'm going to take the, the question in a little bit different direction um all of you know that one way or the other we're going to have an african-american I've, I've worked hard to change communities. Uh -oh. I've, I have a history of being a change agent. Well, something happened there. Well, I'm going to take the yeah. of being a change agent. Of being okay. a change agent. Whoa. And I think. Uh, so they ask a question of each other. And so Lori's question, I forget what it was, but it was a nice question about what a great moment this is going to be because no matter who, uh, who uh, wins the election, it'll be an African American woman being the mayor of the city of Chicago. And Tony would have none of it when it came time for Tony to ask a question. Her question 
You yeah. know what I mean? She did not <laughs> extend the olive branch. And that's probably because Lori Lightfoot is ahead in the polls, so she, I guess she figures she can afford to look all diplomatic and nice and everything. And Tony uh, Preckwinkle is trying to uh, scare some people into uh, dropping away from uh, Lori and supporting her. So any rough and tumble Chicago politics, D. It's not for rookies. Yeah, sorry about that audio there, guys. But uh, just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago. Well, I actually think it's change versus the status quo. Well, you know, my whole career has been about change. We have an opportunity to break from that past <laughs> and bring real, meaningful change. And change is action and results, not simply words. It's not just the desire for change. Change is difficult. Change, 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 change. A lot of change. A lot of change. And now you'll have an answer the next time someone asks. <laughs> You, hey, what else is There's doing? a song called Chains. Kind of reminds me of Chains, my babies. Anyway, <laughs> enough singing. All right, D, I'm going to tell you something right now. Okay. Something a lot of people agree on. Uh, Donald Glover agrees to this. Cool. Donald John Trump agrees to this. And Donald Flynn, a kid he used to play high school softball with. They all agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We got Lior Galil sitting here. We'll bring him on right after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. All right, Will, too, with me in the studio, as I've been saying all day, Lior Galil, Chicago reader, uh, music writer. Lior, thank, uh, thanks for coming. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for singing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that's why. I thought you wanted me to, like, give you some criticism. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, how's my pitch and range? By the way, different key. Uh, I know you're more, you're uh, another generation uh, far younger than me, and so you're obviously more into uh, uh, music of the 21st century uh maybe late uh, 20th century uh, but uh, are you familiar with the song changes that i was uh, brilliantly singing the david bowie song uh, i i only listened to the pre-war blues on 78 <laughs> so i really don't know anything that we're talking about today uh yeah I, i'm familiar with changes yeah, okay, yeah it's a good song right. yeah it's a good song i like changes like david bowie I wish david bowie were uh, showing up to lollapalooza but of, of course uh, david
would pass a couple of years ago. All right. The Lollapalooza the, um, lineup was announced yesterday, and immediately I said, I got to have Lior on to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> the joke, of course, is um, I don't know a lot of the, the groups who are here, but uh, who are her headliners, which is pretty embarrassing. Uh, but why don't you talk about, uh, Lior, some of the, um, the highlights or lowlights of this year's Lala Festival, which is will be here in August in the city of Chicago. I don't know that there are either highlights or lowlights. It's uh, Lollapalooza just seems to be this homogenous large thing that if you look at the lineups for major festivals throughout the U.S., it's more or less the same. Like Ariana Grande is also headlining Coachella which is much more of an interesting festival to me. Um, but, you know, that's pretty big that Ariana is here. She's the first, like, female pop star to be a headliner at Lollapalooza since Lady Gaga in 2010, which is kind of insane. What does that say about Lollapalooza? They're, they're pretty behind in so many ways. Like they and, and this lineup is still pretty behind the fact that the Strokes, who also played in 2010, uh-huh. are headliners, and there's nothing interesting or new about that. Like, they... I don't know what the Lollapalooza audience sees in them. The Lollapalooza audience tends to be much younger. That was the, that was the sign I had. I was like, okay, I know these bands. I think they're behind. Oh, uh, well, I actually know a song by The Strokes, which yeah. shows you how behind they are, that I would know a song. And that is a song that, in my humble opinion, they sort of ripped off from the great Tom Petty. <laughs> you know, there's a song, like the opening American Girl by, man, I'm... T- you know that song from the, yeah, yeah, the 80s, yeah. I want to say? Yeah. Uh, so. I've, I've listened to music before. I mean, I, you know, Lollapalooza, their bookings have always been all over the place. And yeah. the thing about it is it's the largest festival in Chicago, you know, both in attendance, 100,000 people show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some festivals that are larger in part because they're free. But as far as like large gated festivals, this is the biggest one. They're close to 200 acts. You, they have a ton of money, Live Nation is the uh the you know the, the main owner of c3 presents the promoter which is you know r.a manuals uh <laughs> yes. uh, younger brother of our uh of our current mayor rama manual yeah exactly mm-hmm. uh they have a ton of money to throw around live nation is the largest music promoter in the world so with that much money you're gonna you're going to be able to throw it at at least something that is interesting. Well, Lior, is there, when you look at this lineup, go through some of the other bands uh, that are mentioned here, but when you look at this lineup, do you sense that there's a strategy that the Lollapalooza organizers are following, or are they just willy-nilly, who can we get to put in that people might pay money to see? I think they're starting to pay a little bit more attention to streaming and to Spotify, and when the data is just like available and public knowledge, like you can see how many you know millions or billions of streams are out there, like it's kind of hard to mess up. Again, especially if you have that much money. So in other words, you're looking at who's getting the most uh, downloads, and that's who they book. Streams, streams. Ben, uh, come on, yeah, downloads. Man, who on. downloads? This is a whole new world. Yeah. Ben Jarowski, <laughs> streaming and downloading. Speaking of songs, keep saying, yeah, world. you got, you got that, you got that. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so all right, so they look for who's most popular. It's, yeah, but in a lot of ways, they're still behind. I mean, this is a festival that continued to book Eminem like three times in the past 10 years. Muse, I was kind of surprised that Muse wasn't playing because they headlined like four times. And who cares about Muse? Obviously, a lot of people, but they're not they're not cutting edge. Like, it's pretty interesting that they got Jay Balvin, who is, you know, a like who has helped popularize Spanish language mm-hmm. music pop music in contemporary American audiences. That's amazing. He started doing that like five years ago or longer, depending on, you know, your listenership. I'm kind of shocked it took them so long to book him. Shocked that he's not a headliner. Mm-hmm. 
Again, strokes. I don't. I don't understand why the strokes are headlining. Okay. Now, when you say headlining, that means on the big stage. Is that it? I've there? There are two. Lollapalooza has eight stages. Okay. Uh, there are two. <laughs> it's insane. It's, like it's a insane. Buffet. It's a buffet it's, of bands. Yeah. Uh, since oh, twenty. Excuse me, Mister Music over there. I'm sorry. I no no no. And I you know uh, I I will echo uh, Jim Derogatis's sentiment that this is Walmart on the lake. It's it's supposed to. It's something for everyone allegedly. Um, and there's something to that. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's great that young people who have so few opportunities to see live music in Chicago during the year yeah. get this music festival that is theoretically catered to them, but also... Now, know, why do you say they have so few opportunities to see live music? Uh, most venues, I mean, <laughs> they, and this is this is a complicated aside, but a lot of venues in Chicago tend to have 21 and up shows, like the 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 way that most venues make money most small venues is through alcohol sales yeah and when it's an all-ages shows you have fewer and fewer opportunities to make money by selling by selling alcohol uh so it's just you know common sense if you need to make rent if you need to pay your employees and you do <laughs> you're you're gonna have fewer all-ages shows and lala sells alcohol correct Lala sells alcohol, but it's an all ages show. Most the, there are a few festivals that I can think of that aren't all ages. Yeah. The Pitchfork recently did a uh, what they refused to acknowledge was a music festival, but it was three nights of music presented at the Art Institute. To me, that's a music festival. Yeah, uh, and that ended up being twenty one and up. In part, also because uh, it continued. You know, there's an uh, there's a curfew in Chicago, like ten ten thirty. I believe anyone under the age of seventeen has to get home. Um, so yeah, there are a few opportunities for young people to see an art form that speaks directly to them. That's usually made by people their age. And it's cool that there are that opportunities. I wish it wasn't just Lollapalooza. I wish Lollapalooza wasn't the thing that everyone who knows, you know, who doesn't pay attention to music thinks it's like, oh, this is music in Chicago because it's, it's not, mm -hmm. it's a fraction of the free of the festivals that happen in, in the city over the summer. Who who do you think is the most noteworthy performer that uh, Lollapalooza will have on on stage this August? Uh, that, I don't I don't know that there I don't know that there is one. Uh, you know, a lot of it it's it's sort of like what took you so long? Why is Lil Wayne finally playing Lollapalooza? And again, not why is he not headlining? And I mean, I've seen I've seen Wayne recently miles exactly like. Lil Wayne's big. He's very big in the younger generation, especially. He's. I mean, it's it's uh it's hard to explain it to anyone who isn't under the age of twenty five. But yeah. when he played Chance's festival, uh, you know, Magnificent Coloring Day a few years ago, I mean, Wayne raps in a very distinctive way, and it was fascinating to to hear like everyone echo every word that he was saying. And he wasn't in great shape, which, you know, is kind of an, a, a, you know, an obvious not knock against him, but it's something that he has to struggle with. He's been having seizures. He's been having serious health issues. He's in his 30s. He's he's been. Yeah, he's I mean, he's he's struggling with addiction for a law, large part of his Whoa. life. And he's not a great performing performing shape. But man, when he gets on stage, uh, just the energy of the place is unlike it's crazy anything so it's, yeah it's it, remarkable will he be on the the largest he'll stage? be on one of the larger states they, they don't they don't really announce that stuff till you know uh like a month out you know they, they're a month and a half out they you know they they say like okay these are the days that everyone's performing 
there are two large stages uh almost every stage is named after a corporate sponsor so i refuse to say any of that on the air now okay, i just don't care good. for it yeah but uh the 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 quote-unquote main large stage uh is on the south end and the you know second tier large stage is on the north end uh kind of close to millennium park um so wayne i imagine is going to be on the north stage like ariana grande childish gambino 21 pilots of strokes are going to be on the south stage all right now talk about childish gambino what do you i mean <laughs> i have a lot of mixed feelings about childish gambino uh, in part because Donald Glover is so good at almost every other thing that he does. Yeah. And his, you know, his big song, which is like fine, is much better and more effective as a music video than it is as a song, which is This Is America. Yeah. Uh, you know, I heard that one time without the video and I was like, this isn't right. This like, this is a bad song. Like the, the video makes it uh, like brings a complexity out of it that is like otherwise hard to. So you think of him as a great actor, a great writer, a great comic. Uh, his, com uh, his comedy is like fun. Like his stand-up is like not great. And I mean, Atlanta's when I first... Atlanta's pretty good, pretty good TV show. Even it's, I have it's, seen Atlanta. It's, it's, <laughs> Atlanta isn't a stand-up show, though. Atlanta's a Very fantastic show. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's it achieves something that I that is remarkable that you cannot really explain without watching. Yeah. And that is, that is great art, which is why, you know, some of his earlier rap songs are kind of despicable to be frank they're like they're thoughtless and uncreative in parts which is again weird when he's capable of doing so much great yeah. elsewhere and it's you know he took this funk turn a few years ago that was like interesting um not great there were like a couple really strong songs but uh i mean it's it's complicated it's one of those things it's like his celebrity is part of the reason that he's popular and that's not to suggest that anything he does is not of merit uh, and that song, yeah, again, This Is America kind of achieves something that, like, is rare. And I, that, that's noteworthy. And, yeah, he should be headlining. I just don't think he's that great. Lior, I have to ask you, listen to your, the honesty with which you uh, give your assessment of Chados Gambino. And I really am in, incapable of joining this conversation because the only thing I know about him as quote-unquote music is This Is America, which I watched as a video. Although I love Atlanta, which has really nothing to do with his music. Uh, so has anybody ever like countered you like, man, who are you? You know, I'm very critical of Chicago politicians all the time. So I get this a lot. Do you ever get it? Like who all, are the, you? all the time. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm a person who lives in the world and I have, have an opinion. And if somebody disagrees with me, I'm going to hear from them. That's great. That's the way it should be. Um, so have you ever heard from Childish Gambino fans who, who sure all the time? I mean, there was, a, there was a point where when I was starting to freelance and he was starting to get big. I, I remember hearing his first EP and I was like, oh, this is great and really charming. And it was like really poorly produced. And it he like took indie rock songs and just rapped over them with like the original vocals intact. Uh -huh. It was messy, but it was like really great. And then he followed that up with like some pretty unremarkable music. <laughs> and I wrote about it and I, yeah. I heard from fans who were like really upset with me. But Miles, are you upset with him for what he just said about Chato Scampino? Not, not exactly. I mean, his young, like his older music, I did like it, but it was a little bit kind of sloppy at times. But I think as time has gone on, he's kind of formed more into the artist that I think that he should be like right now. All right. Now let's have a great debate right now since I got the two of you <laughs> sitting right there. I happen to know something about this young man, Miles, who's our office uh, editor. He loves Drake, okay? What's hey, your opinion of Drake? Uh, Drake's, like, there's, he went on a three-album run that was really great, and then he's just, like, devolved into sloppiness. And I think, and here's something that, like, again, Lollapalooza's never booked Drake. What, yeah, like, how? 
they're like they are they've gotten a little bit better last year it was probably their best year for contemporary rap for showcasing like, travis scott yeah travis scott i don't particularly i have mixed feelings about travis scott uh oh man i think uh you know that the you know sicko world's fine but not because of travis scott it's because of like and and partially because of travis scott like he orchestrated the thing but there's right. so many other voices on there that made that album interesting uh and when travis scott showed up is like right this guy you know uh, and he, when we were watching the super bowl travis scott came on i lost it. miles his friends were going crazy I man i was like who's this guy well no, it's no. uh you know i i'm sure that there was a one period where anyone was energized about anything in that super bowl man. and that halftime show and you know like yeah the, yeah, yeah. Oh, the uh, halftime show was terrible but that's a whole other issue uh and we're talking uh, with lior galeo from the uh chicago uh reader talking about the Lollapalooza lineup uh, i have a a lot of other things I want to talk to Lior about uh, before I leave Alalapalooza, but this is one point, uh, and Lior put this out in a text because I uh, said to him, uh, no, a tweet, excuse me, because I, I, I said of a text, the chain smokers uh, are be, are going to be at uh, Lollapalooza, sort of an inside joke. I have to tell you, uh, follow me on this. I got, I have a confession to make. Go ahead. Your, I've never heard anything by the chain smokers. <laughs> uh, but uh, about a year ago, uh, a person of the Gen X persuasion was telling me a story about, he works for some big time corporation. This, listen to how rich this corporation he works for is. They had an office party. It wasn't even a Christmas party. It was just like an office party. A guy from our bowling league, Miles, yeah. uh, not on our team. But anyway, uh, so they had this big-time office Christmas party. Their company is so wealthy that they could invite to perform for the company party two acts. One I had heard of, one I had never heard of. The one I had heard of was Stevie Wonder. The one I had never heard of was the Chainsmokers. And this Gen X guy, when he was telling me the story, was going, the millennials who were uh, at the party were saying, when Stevie Wonder was performing, when is he going to get off the stage so we can hear the Chainsmokers? And ever since then, I'm like some old guy. Well, I am an old guy. I don't like the chain smokers. And uh, yeah, this is a big corporation and young corporate millennials who like um it sounds like they just don't have taste. That's what that's who the chain smokers are for. It's it's uh it's smooth jazz for the EDM set. Like the the post EDM set, whatever you want to call it. It's it's like so uninteresting. It's jazz? No, no, it's smooth. It's oh, I, it's, it's music. You're, uh, you're yeah, metaphor. it is okay. it is mm -hmm. uh there is nothing nothing substantial about it you can put it in the background and it's like pleasant ben jarofsky for 10 trivia points what does edm stand for i have absolutely no idea uh it's electronic dance music I and it's that. a pretty <laughs> it's it's honestly like not a great term because anything can be electronic yeah. dance music it just happens that like we're stuck with the term so why are they bringing the chain smokers they're to super popular like again if you're money balling a festival which Lollapalooza is kind of doing yeah yeah like they're super popular in spotify like that they, they they get a lot of people who listen to them i would argue that probably a large portion of their fan base are people who th treat music like you know secondary like something you put on the background like something to uh you know, they, they put on a Spotify playlist without really thinking much about or caring much about what they're listening to. Will you be attending the Lollapalooza Festival? Probably not. Uh, there's, there is, I mean, I go hard for local acts. There are a few local acts on there that are great uh, that I can see in almost any other context. And quite frankly, 
given Live Nation's involvement in in Sterling, you know, installing base plans for Lincoln Yards, I refuse to do anything to further help them, like get you know get money to to further help them yep. in their aims because Live Nation, should they have deep involvement in Lincoln Yards, will upset what is like a pretty great music ecosystem in mm-hmm. Chicago. It's bad enough that this festival exists as it does for four days, but imagine having the people in charge of that uh, have their own venues in the city that it, they currently don't. Mm-hmm. Le, uh, my guest is Lior Galil, and as I'm speaking to Lior, my next guest is phoning me. Isn't that funny how people like call me? Oh, I'm going to just interrupt my ben, conversation. Ben loves that. And I'll run out the door to get the <laughs> I'm going to give Ish a hard time. That's the dude who's uh, calling me right now. Um, Lior, but they're not here. You're still sitting here, and you That's just great. raised uh, a point that I would love to follow up on, and that is this. Uh, the uh, Lincoln Yards development deal, I always talk about it in terms of the financial cost uh, to the taxpayers of the city of Chicago, the diversion of money for far more important things uh, to subsidize and underwrite an upscale development. Uh, you were referring, uh, you were talking about uh, a specific issue uh, that um, a lot of maybe my listeners don't know about because I don't talk about it. Talk about the connection uh, that you just alluded to. Go go uh, at, at one point in uh, I forget how many months ago, uh, it was Sterling Bay announced that uh, among the ideas that they had envisioned for Lincoln Yards it was an entertainment district owned and operated by Live Nation, yeah. which is the largest entertainment promoter in the world. They operate more than two hundred venu- venues around the world they are also a management company that uh that manages more than 500 artists they are they also own Ticketmaster, a merger that should not have ever taken place they have also been investigated by the justice department on multiple occasions for alleged monopolistic behavior the most recent case uh happening within the past year uh between them and a, a promoter named aeg a promoter that's much larger than any of the promotion companies that exists in the current uh, Chicago music ecosystem and should that entertainment complex happen you know up to five venues of various sizes that would completely disrupt that that would be Live Nations in to a city in which uh, they have at one point declared their intention to, to crush Jam which is the largest independent promoter in the city of Chicago Chicago has managed to be like a great place for independent music promoters which is wonderful they give opportunities for young up-and-coming artists to you know to perform in front of audiences like it's there's something about having people who are invested in the community who live in the community who are able to uh understand what it means to live in in the city and to uh operate on Mm -hmm. its behalf and live nation is a business granted all these are businesses but live nation is a business first and if we were to open the doors to them that that could crush a lot of the venues that are currently operating here and considering that again they own they they help operate the largest music festival in this city imagine if you're a touring artist and you get an offer to play a live nation venue and your incentive is hey you could play Lollapalooza and and the competition can't offer offer you that you know you are and it's uh listening to you now I I can understand uh, I've been crusading against uh, handouts for uh, gentrifying neighborhoods for years and years, but I've never had sort of the impact uh, that opposition to Lincoln Yards had when it filled uh, it filled 
venues with people outraged about the Live Nation connection and the impact it would have on like uh, venues like the Hideout, my beloved Hideout, where I uh, once a month I do a talk show with McDumkey. And listen, I welcomed it. You know what I'm saying? Like anything that brings attention yeah. uh, to this scam of the TIFF program, I welcome. But it, it is it it's that's what it took to sort of wake people up. You know what I mean? To like yeah. personalize uh, the way we uh, subsidize winners and losers you get what i'm saying yeah. like certain people are the winners of the world and they get the the breaks in the city of chicago like live nation and certain people are the quote unquote losers of the world like the hideout you know uh, uh we uh so we don't underwrite them my next guest is walking in the studio a big lover of rock and roll from the 70s alder woman uh sue sedlowski cars we're gonna let her settle then i'm not done with lior yet uh and uh so lior I'm going to switch focus now uh, to uh, Aldermanic Races Yeah, uh, with uh, Sue coming in. This is really appropriate. Uh, you wrote a story for the reader about a month ago, I want to say, about, was it about a month ago? Uh, it was early February, I believe, is when it came out. Okay, six weeks ago, whatever. <laughs> I have six weeks, a month. Uh, it technically was a month. Anyway, Andre Vasquez running for Alderman of the 40th Ward of the City of Chicago against uh, Pat, uh, Patrick O'Connor, who's been the floor leader for Mayor Rahm, the floor leader for Mayor Daly, was uh, the le- leading cheerleader from everything from the parking meter uh, deal to the Olympics, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, Andre, in about 20 years ago, was a rapper, uh, and some of his rap lyrics are under the category of controversial. Uh, now as they're heading into a runoff, Patrick O'Connor is uh, using those lyrics as a weapon against Andre, uh, putting those lyrics on uh, flyers, which he's disseminating throughout the ward. When you when you watch this uh, this fallout, what's your thoughts? Uh, it's completely bigoted attacks uh, that are dog whistles. I mean, if you look at the imagery that is that is used on some of these flyers, it's all white people. Uh, and 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 Pat O'Connor is suggesting that Andre is, you know, he's taking rap lyrics completely out of the context within which they were written and the audience that they were written for and the time period that they were written for and suggesting that this is a thing that Andre actually supports in his political environment, in his current life as a, you know, as a father, as somebody who left rap, as somebody who's apologized profusely prior to any of his lyrics being aired like this. It's kind of remarkable how uh, how Pat O'Connor has blanketed the uh, the ward with lyrics that are also very difficult to find. I mean, Andre's stuff isn't available; like it only came out on CD for the most part. You can't stream it anywhere. So, you know, some people have uploaded rips of it via YouTube, who are like fans of a very specific era of hip hop that Andre came out of. But there's you have to do serious work in order to hear this. And again, Andre has. Uh, from the get-go acknowledge that like this is part of his past and this is something that he's had to grapple with and I think his remorse is very real but part of the reason that I want to write that story is I've seen how frequently politicians have maligned hip-hop and that this is a you know this is an art form made by people of color it's the most popular art form in America right now and you know I'd I'd think about like if I was a parent in this ward and I had a kid who was into rap and I didn't know anything about it and I got this flyer in the mail. It's like rap lyrics. That would put a wall between me and my kid, you know? It's like, you can't listen to this thing. Like, if this is the only thing that I know about is this flyer with bad lyrics. Like, that, that, uh, that is a really complicated matter. And, I mean, the yeah, the thing that... 
a lot of Pat's attacks remind me of, of what happened to a, uh, a guy who's now representing the 19th district in New York in Congress, a Rhodes Scholar and a, a Harvard Law graduate who uh, was a rapper about 10 years ago, and his opponent, who lost, used his lyrics as an attack in the very same way. Um, and I was, I was reading up on this on my way over here just to be like, oh, I wonder what happened. And uh, uh, if you don't mind uh, me quoting the Times right now, do you mind this? Go ahead. Am I, am no, I running we're over? We're all right. Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, uh, yeah, so this is a quote from the New York Times. Uh, its first ad went further, interspersing images of Mr. Delgado as a candidate with those of him as a rapper known as A.D., The Voice, using his decade-old lyrics to suggest that, his, that he is misogynistic, racist, and un-American. It's the exact same thing Pat O'Connor's doing now. The New York Times editorial board called out uh, Delgado's opponent for being bigoted. It's the exact same thing Pat O'Connor is doing right now. And by doing this, to a larger degree, he is criminalizing an art form that is practiced by people of color still to this day. And that is evolving too. Um, I mean, people talk about Chance, you know, like this great person that he, and, and he does great stuff on behalf of the city of Chicago. That's the world that he came out of. He came out of the world of hip hop. He used some bad language. Donald Glover, again, use bad language common use slurs in his early songs and has come forward and been like yeah this was not cool there's there's something very cynical about suggesting that something that you did 20 years ago you can't evolve out of and pat o'connor has has used language like derogatory language to other opponents in like several months ago it's insane to just like sit on the sidelines and see this happening you know what i mean that's Lior Galil. He writes for the Chicago Reader. Thanks so much for coming on. We're going to bring you back. We got Sue Sedlowski Garza on deck. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hi. 
This is Nick Offerman. I'm taking my show on the road and subjugating an audience to my humor. All rise. American humorist Nick Offerman is coming September 15th on stage at the Chicago Theater. It's an evening of deliberative talking and light dance that will compel you to chuckle while enjoining you to brandish a better side of humanity than the one to which we have grown accustomed. Reserved seats are on sale noon Friday, March 22nd at the box office or at Ticketmaster.com. Don't miss Nick Offerman live. All right, everybody, your Ben Jarofsky show, hour number two for Thursday, March 21st is just moments away. But before we go any further, we would like to thank the following unions for helping us make this show possible. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. And no, Sue Garza, not Aerosmith, Aerospace Workers, the International uh, Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Big thank you to those unions. And of course, today's show is brought to you by our friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show starts now. Yes, it is Thursday, March 21st, and live from the Chicago Reader's Suntime Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, Jake Lewis of the Chicago Federation of Labor will join us, and we welcome to our brand new studio, the rock and roll and all the woman herself, Sue Sedlowski Garza. And now your host, not rocking <laughs> and or rolling, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, all right, very good. Sue Sadlowski Garza is in the studio. Sue Sadlowski Garza is in the studio. Everybody knows I love Sue Sadlowski Garza, and we're going to bring her on. Before we do, D says we have an update to do. Absolutely, we do have an update. Our wait, oh no, our second Nick Offerman ticket giveaway is going to take place today. Nick Offerman is going to be at the Chicago Theater Sunday, September fifteenth. We gave away one pair of Nick Offerman tickets to Aaron. She named nine famous Nicks. A lot tougher than you think, by the way, listeners. All right. When you start naming nine famous Nicks, people who are nonfiction. All right. Nick Nolte was on there. Yeah. Uh, Nick Young, Nick Cannon. Uh, Aaron named nine famous Nicks. Uh, the contest that we're doing today that we're going to wrap up on. It's uh well I couldn't think of a name for it. Uh, I was just calling it suggestions for Ben, right? Yeah. But shout out to our friend John aka JGT. He came up with a fantastic name for this oh, segment. Okay. Yeah, yeah, re- get this. Recommendations. <laughs> okay, recom get it? Oh, recom- That's pretty good, right? John. Yeah, man. Up top, buddy. Yeah, That's awesome. It. Send John a car. Here we okay. have a car get, for John. Don't right send anybody cars. Uh, but no, <laughs> that was a recommendations. Yeah, That's what no, we're going like to call that. this, all right? Okay. So we went to both the Facebook and Twitter pages and asked all of you, since Ben Jarofsky is an avid movie watcher, uh-huh. uh, borderline ob- uh, obsessed with movies. Say, yeah. uh, we Take the asked, borderline out of that. Yeah, he, He's big on Netflix, and no, not the streaming Netflix, the, the where you get them mailed to you still. <laughs> yeah, it's 2004, you still get them mailed to I him. still get them mailed to. Yeah. So what we had all of you do on Facebook and Twitter is mm-hmm. give Ben suggestions, suggestions of movies that Ben should watch, and if Ben picks your suggestion, 
Not only will he watch it, but you will win tickets to see Nick Offerman Sunday, September 15th at the Chicago Theater. So, uh, yeah, we have a few movies, right? Uh, the list of movies. Ben, talk to him about All the right, movies. Let's, I'm going to talk now. Sue said, Sue, are you a movie fan? I am a movie fan. Uh, just happy to be here today in your new dig. Solidarity is appropriate, right? Solidarity forever, brother. Oh, solidarity forever. Uh, yeah, they like to look at the little poster yeah, we have on the wall that. and everything. Pretty cool. Uh, big th- movie fan. Big Last mo- one I just watched was Bird Box. Oh, I saw Bird Box. Sandra Bullock. She's got the blindfold and yeah. she can't see anything and the yep. whole world blows up. And be, yep. Like weird things kill you. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, but our, most of the movies, I went through the list that our, our, our uh, listeners had uh, uh, suggested. I've already seen a uh, movie a fanatic that I am, like Roma. I've seen Lobster. I've seen Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. This is a movie from the 70s. Remember Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? <laughs> do you remember that? Very apropos yeah. for the election. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yes, that, I do. Different Lightfoot. Yes, I do. It's with, uh, do you remember who's in it? Clint Eastwood. I was going to say, isn't Clint Eastwood in there? Yeah, Clint yeah. Eastwood. I think you and I were at the movie together, downtown, we or, you know. Uh, <laughs> Sue Alderman. Sue Alderman. Sue Gars and I are roughly the same age, generation of 70s uh, folks, so we would know Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Anyway, I've broken it down to two movies that were recommended that I had not seen. And who, who are those two? And those two is a movie called Brick. You ever see Brick? Never heard of it. Brick sounds like a pretty good flick. Uh, Brick is... Is, wait, 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 I'm going to make sure I get it right. Uh, Blick, uh, Brick is a Daniel Craig movie. It's a crime flick about a, um, a cocaine dealer who wants to go straight. Daniel Craig, who was in James Bond. So that's a movie that I would like to see I could rent. And Layer Cake, that's another movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I love Joseph Gordon. You like Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, okay, those are two that I'm going to have to watch. Are they on Netflix? Yeah, do you have the... Do you have... Do you do Netflix streaming or do you do Netflix, the little things that come I, through the mail? No, those are gone. Do they still even do that? <laughs> yeah, he does. Or do you go to the Red Box? No. I use Red Box. I, I still... They still mail Netflix? <laughs> yeah. They still ish, you know that ish. Uh, you you, you can get some really good movies on the mail-in Netflix. Yeah, man, oh, I'm telling knows. you right now. Uh, ish, by the way, right-hand man to uh, Alderman Alderwoman Garza uh, in the studio as well, looking very dapper in that suit. Thank by the you. way, ish, uh, and uh, so I'm gonna. It's gonna come down between brick and layer cake. All dude. right, so you heard it, folks. Ben Jarofsky has narrowed down his choices. There's two. What will it be? Brick sent in from our friend Ant on Twitter or Layer Cake sent in from our friend P on Twitter. You're going to find out at the end of the program. All right. Very good. Uh, Sue Sedlowski, guys, I turned my attention to you before I I'll put those movies aside. By the way, when you hear that little theme song, does that play it again? Does this remind you of something from the 70s? Electric Light Orchestra. Wow, very similar. Yeah, There's a, uh, actually, it's 60 song. Have you ever heard of the 60 song? Conquistador, your stallion stands. I mean, oh I, my God, yes. Yeah. You're uh, not your right heap. It was. Um, oh my God, what's who sings it? Procol Harum. That's it, Procol Harum. <laughs> Hang tight, millennials. Have a fantastic program That's it, for Procol you Procol Harum. That's uh, right. All right, Sue Sadlowski Garza. Let's get down to business here. She, of course, is the alderwoman of the 10th Ward. That's the part of the city that bends way down southeast, touches, kisses the corner with Indiana. Mm-hmm. The last time I saw you, you were nervous about your reelection. Apparently, uh, you were victorious despite the nerves? Um, you know, I think being nervous is, is a normal thing, right? If I wasn't nervous, I wouldn't be human, and I, you can never take anybody for granted, but uh, truth be told, I opened a good old cash and f- fashion can of Southside Womp Ass. 
So, you know, uh, yeah. Um, what was the score, as they say? Oh, God. It was like uh, 7,000 to 2,000 or something wow. like that. Yeah. It was, I won every precinct except one, and then he won that by what, 41 votes? Or and let's contrast like to where we were four years ago, Sue. Mm. Four years ago, you were running against the incumbent John Pope, who was a, a, a loyalist, put it mildly, uh, to Rahm Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel was working and against you. And to Daly you. as well. And to Daly. The, all the machine was working against you. Uh, talk about how that election came down. So, four years ago at this point, um, we were in a runoff, and it was very very tense. It, things got really ugly um, from his perspective. They attacked my family. They, I, you know, I was listening to the gentleman before you talk about the Andre Vasquez thing. Um, they dug up things that were, you know, when I was a kid and things that I've said or done or p things that people had said about me that weren't actually true. Um, it got really, really ugly, and it was it was really tense. And we actually went to bed on election night, eighty votes ahead. Uh, we want we claimed victory, victory election night, and woke up the next day and on a Wednesday, and the board of elections got 101 ba absentee ballots that all broke for him. So isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So um, we were down 22 votes. The elect the uh, absentee ballots kept coming in, and. Truth be told, two and a half weeks later, when they finally validated the election, we won by 21 votes. So it was the worst two weeks of my life. Every day you were going down to the Board of Elections. Oh, yeah. I, we had a team. I didn't go. Uh, my lawyer, Ed Mullen, love him to death. He advised us to stay away. You know, that they, we had a great team down there. He had a team down there, too. There was some pushing and shoving going on. Um, Carl <laughs> Camacho took a couple, you know, left shoulders and right shoulders and people jockeying for position and it got tense it really did but you know we came out victorious and we've accomplished more in four years than they did in 16 so well let's talk about that the 10th <clears throat> ward again far southeast side city of chicago uh, eddie verdoliak uh was the f like he ruled it as though it was his manner and he was the feudal lord for years and years and years it's a uh, steel worker country there's a lot of steel mills but those steel mills closed uh so talk about the legacy of the steel mills uh, introduce some maybe our new listeners do not know uh who your dad is and the sure. legacy he has so um the 10th Ward was a true mill town, right? We had nine steel mills there, and we had 134,000 jobs coming out of those mills. Men and women, they were the economic engines that drove the 10th Ward. Every every neighborhood had restaurants and bars and shoe stores and dime stores and Ben Franklin's and Woolworth's, and we were a thriving community. Um, Wisconsin Steel was the first one to go. People showed up at the gate one day, and... Uh, couldn't get, even clean out their locker. They locked the gates. I want you to imagine being 50, our age, 58, 57 years old, working somewhere for 30 years, first fresh out of high school. We never had uh, college fairs. We had mill fairs in our high schools. Mm -hmm. They'd recruit you. You'd be 17 years old getting out of high school, and you'd go to work making 16 bucks an hour in 1973. It was a good buck, right? It was. You couldn't get a job like that anywhere. People from all over the world came to work in the 10th Ward. And... My dad was uh, 26 years old, worked at U.S. Steel, 1962. Um, he was elected, youngest guy ever to be elected to Local 63, and Local 65, and 
26 years old, in charge of 24,000 steel workers. Crazy. Led a, 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 a grassroots uprising movement. Edward Sedlowski. Grassroots movement of steel workers to change the way that people do things. Um, working conditions. Um, voting on your contract. Um, workers never had a right to vote on their contract. It was the suits downtown that did everything at the table. Workers never had a right. And believe it or not, my dad just passed away in June. I never knew that little tidbit. I knew that the, the movement that he created was, he left a legacy in the 10th Ward, but when he passed away in June, I got letters from, ish, where Quebec, Texas, New York, Florida, Belgium. I mean, it was crazy. Some guy got shot in the neck in Texas when they were on a picket line, when my dad was running for president. Just things I never knew, but I got a call in December at the office from the New York Times and they were gonna do a story about the 20 most influential people that passed away in 2018. And my dad was the first guy on the list. And I read the piece and uh, it said he changed the labor movement because, because of what he did, rank and file got to vote on their contracts. And now that's something that is the norm, right? People get to vote on their contracts everywhere. Yeah. So he changed the labor movement and I didn't know that little tidbit. I mean, if you asked him like, hey, what were you doing? What the hell do you think <laughs> I was doing, you cockamamie? You know, that's what he'd tell you. But um, I'm very proud of the legacy my dad yeah. my dad left. And um, <laughs> the older I get, the more I appreciate it. Yeah. You know? And that's how it goes. My, and Rom just named a school after my dad. All right, let's talk about that. Rahm Emanuel, <laughs> the mayor of the city of Chicago, named a school after Ed Sedlowski. Man, oh man, of Shevitz, I've seen it all. Uh, <laughs> when uh, I'm gonna, this is me talking, so we'll see if uh, Sue agrees. Uh, when Sue first came into office, Rom, in my humble opinion, was exceedingly disrespectful to her, uh, did not treat her with the respect that uh, a newly elected alderman warrants, uh, and some of the comments he made to her, uh, treating her like a little kid, that she was going to be disruptive in the Chicago City Council memories. He didn't want a circus. Yeah, he didn't want a circus. Shaking his finger Yeah, at. a little uh, finger. I don't think he treated Ed Burke that way mm -hmm. when he came in. Oh, Ed, let me hug you, man. And, uh, of course, he was for Pope, your opponent, etc. And then in the early days. He gave day, him a lot of money, yeah. Gave him a lot of money. He wouldn't, And then he gave him a job. Plus, I was part of the <laughs> teachers' union, which, you know, oh, had a... You know, connotation of we're going to be rivals and enemies, and and you know, here's the thing: it, it started out very contagious. The 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 relationship never evolved into a friendship. I can't say that. I think we had a good working relationship as far as at, at maybe the second and third year in. Mm -hmm. um, I there was I never felt like there was an open door policy. I still don't feel like there was an open door policy. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I still have a very difficult time trusting anything anybody tells me from that, from in City Hall. Um, I've been told things and they've never come to fruition or they tell me something and it's not the truth. So I have to, I have to stick, my circle keeps getting smaller, right? Yeah. And um, I trust the people that are around me that I know do good work and 
just keep pushing forward and that's it so uh, all right now one of the things that went down in the uh, those first two years there would be ribbon cutting ceremonies in the 10th ward and the roms people would not invite you you're the alderman they always in alder woman excuse me they would always invite you you invite the elected officials and uh it was almost as though they didn't acknowledge you as the elected official of the 10th ward Obviously, things have changed Mm -hmm. uh, if Rahm Emanuel uh, has named a school or used his clout and influence to get the Board of Ed to name the school. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I, you know, and my brother said it best because my brother actually spoke at the the ceremony and he said, Rahm Emanuel has finally done the right thing. He, he, He was very smart in naming a school after a labor leader because it's not just something that is um, an amazing thing for our family. It's something amazing for the neighborhood and the labor movement. And the cool thing about it is we had two days. They called us on a Wednesday and said that they're gonna name a school after my father on a Friday. So we had less than 48 hours. And mind you, my mother doesn't live here. So, and neither does my brother. So. We didn't get a chance to invite a lot of the guys, you know, the 80-year-old guys that worked with my dad in the mill and that were part of the movement. And I, I didn't get a chance to invite everybody that I wanted to. But And I caught, I'm still catching a lot of flack for that. But um, my brother got up there and said, you did something right. Was, he, was Ram there yeah, at yeah. the ceremony? Yeah, Ram was there. And um, all the trades came. There was a, what maybe thirty guys, different trades. The like 40, the brickies, the iron workers, look, you know, one thirty five. I didn't. Well, that's what, you know. <laughs> the, brickies, the, tin knock, the brickies, the tin yeah. knockers, you know, they were all there. Um, so the sparkies, you know. Anyway, there's all you know. You gotta have nicknames for people. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. You know, Southside. Anyway, yeah. they all showed up, and you know, it, it was that was the moving part to me. Yeah. You know, having my mom there was amazing, but having all the trades show up, because I didn't know that they were coming, and to have them standing there, and they're like, hip, hip, hooray, hip. I mean, they they made it for me, because it's about them. Yeah. We don't have a school named after a labor leader. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't have that. Now I'm just hoping it passes the Board of Ed on the 27th. Oh, in other words, hasn't officially... <laughs> Oh, that's one last little dirty deed, Ron will do to you. Pull well, the votes. I was left holding the bag on that one because uh, the LSC didn't know about it either. No. <laughs> Wait, the mayor himself didn't call you up and go, uh, Sue, I just want to let you know I'm doing this. He, you know what he did? And I, he, my dad died June 10th. He called me June 11th, and he was very gracious. Mm-hmm. I, I, he was very gracious, and he wanted to know how I was and his condolences to my, my mother. And he was very nice, and he said, I want to talk to you about something, but I want to wait. And I said, no, 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 you got to tell me now. I'm not good at waiting and don't dangle a carrot. You got to tell me. And um, he said, I'd like to name Southeast Elementary after your dad. And this was a day after my dad died. So I w- was a blubbering idiot. And, yeah. Um, I said, that's amazing. It's gracious. I said, but I have one request. Please don't do it till after the election because I don't want to make this about me. My opponent, don't make it about me. Yeah. You know, like I'm pulling some kind of clout or I had nothing to do with this. And I just forgot about it. I really wasn't, you know, you just go on, you're in an election, you're this, you're that. And we're just doing our thing. And I, I forgot. And then I got a call Wednesday after the election, the day after the election, we're doing it Friday. I'm like, oh, my God. So. All right. Now, so I got to ask you this one yeah. now. I'm I'm not as close to Mayor Rahm as you are. I'm just teasing you there. So I don't know him as well as you do, put it mm-hmm. that way. But if I know Mayor Rahm the way I know Mayor Rahm, 
I'm sure he tried to extract something from you Ooh. at some point. Hey, Ooh. hey, Garza, I named that school after your old man. Jesus, Ben, you're <laughs> smarter than like. you're smarter than you look. <laughs> of course he did. Oh man, uh, he tried to get it. He listen. I got to tell you, I've never in the four years that yeah. I've been in my tenure have ever felt more like a piece of meat in a piranha tank as I did on the Wednesday of the Lincoln Yards vote. Oh, talk about Throw that. Throw me in a tank and just have everybody pick in. <laughs> he had the the BAs texting and calling me. He had he knows where my heart is. Yeah, man. Alderman, other aldermen yeah. were in my ear. He was cutting deal trying to cut deals with me. You know, he was up on the pulpit. I call it. He looks at me. Come up here. I go up there. He's like, I've been good to you. I've been. We have a good working relationship. I did this, did that, blah blah blah. I named a school after your father. And I said, Wait a minute. You named a school after a labor leader who happens to be my father, and that was the right thing to do. That was not a freebie towards me. And you know what? To be perfectly honest, if he did do that to get a yes out of me, shame on him. But I don't think he had an ulterior motive. I don't. But he said it. But he said it to me, and he said, I want you to look at me when you vote. Oh, my. You're kidding me. I swear to God. No. Yes, sir. Like, your conscience would... Yeah. So, you know what I did? After everybody was taking a piece of meat out of me and doing what I had to do, and I'm sweating and like, oh, my God. I got up to speak, and I said my spiel, and I said what I had to say, why I thought it was wrong. And when I voted, I said... I looked right at him, and I said, no. (laughs) No. Oh my God! What, what, what did he do? Did he go? Ugh. No, he didn't do anything. But he looked was looking right at me, and I was looking right at him. And I'm, you're not going to intimidate me. I, you know what? I was put in this position to advocate the pe- for the people in the tenth ward. Yeah. I'm not going to give one billion dollars in TIF money to some guy to Sterling Bay who's going to develop there, regardless if I give him the money or anything. I told him, give me $35.5 million to build a new school that's crumbling, and I'll be a yes. Oh, my god! They came back, and they said $4 million. I said, ha, ha, no. <laughs> wow, no. the wheeling and dealing me. in the Unreal. <laughs> it's un-freaking real. Here's, here's something I don't understand. Follow me on this one, uh, Sue. Rom had the vote. You need 26 votes to pass that cockamamie zoning deal, to quote your dad, cockamamie, uh, that would allow him. By the way, that's only. That's Tiff, the Tiff votes Tiff in money. April. Yeah, the big, the big daddy vote or big mama votes coming up right around the corner. We'll get to that. Uh, you only need 26. What does he care what Sugarza does in the 10th Ward? It's a sign of power. It's an ego thing. That's the only thing I can at, f- figure out for this because. He wants to say, I got her. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Because everybody, other aldermen, everybody's like, oh, it's a CTU thing. You're just going against because it's CTU. I said, no, that has nothing to do with that. I had BA, BAs calling me all week mm-hmm. from Tuesday, Wednesday, and I told them why I was voting. Wait, what's no. a, a BA? business agent? Oh, for, uh, union. From BAs. different unions. Got it. And, you know, and I, I talked to them, and I was yeah. honest, and I told them why I was voting no. And my bridges are falling in the water. My schools are falling down. I have 400 miles of streets, yeah. and I can only fix eight blocks with my menu money. Yeah. It's putting a band aid on a machete wound. I can't get anywhere. I don't blah, blah, blah. You're sending me uh, General Iron. Uh, what am I getting for that? Right? So after I went into my spiel, 
all these guys were like, because they were being told to call me, which yeah. I get it. They're doing their job. Uh -huh. And I'm not trying to take bread and butter off anybody's table. My husband's an iron worker. My sons are an iron worker. My best friend is an electrician guy. I get the, no one, no one fights for union prevailing wage more than me. Nobody. I laid down in front of a dump truck on freaking 104th and Coxie <laughs> two years ago because there were scab laborers yeah. coming from Alabama. Yeah. So who does that? Yeah. Sue the weirdos, a rock and roll alder woman from the tenth ward, does it. Uh, but anyway, the the point being is it's it's a power thing. Yeah. You know, the more he gets, the more power he shows. And people were making comments: if you don't vote with Alderman Hopkins, we're not going to vote for with you when you need something. And you know, I the more people picked at me, the more angry I got because I when I stood up, I said, "This is not a, me against you. Yeah. This is not." Uh, that has nothing to do. It's what's the right thing. Absolutely. And let me just say this to 10th oh, warders God. out there. Uh, that argument, vote with Brian Hopkins. Brian Hopkins is the alderman of the second ward, and Lincoln Yards deal is in the second ward. And so people try to tr treat this as like, well, if Alderman Hopkins wants it, we should all want it. I'm going to tell this to the people of the 10th ward, Sue Sedlowski, Guards constituents. Hey, folks, it's a TIF. It's a TIF deal. It's going to raise your taxes. Okay. So Sue Garza should be able to vote whatever way she wants. Any alderman should be able to vote any way he or she wants because it's going to raise your tax. Didn't you promise the voters of the 10th Ward that you would try to avoid unnecessarily raising their property taxes? Wasn't that a key issue? Yeah, absolutely. And I voted no on the first. I mean, I took office in May. We voted on the property tax deal in October. That was another thing that, you know, I I wasn't lobbied as hard on, for that one as I was on this one. Um no, well, the, the big daddy vote will be coming down in April. It'll be interesting to see whoever our mayor-elect is uh, at that point. Follow me on this one, Sue. It's going to be a lame duck city council Yep. Uh, uh, overseen by a lame duck mayor. Yep. Each one of them is out the door in about three weeks, whenever the inauguration, May, the first week of May, whenever it is. And you're going to have a newly elected or mayor-elect, either mayor-elect Lightfoot or mayor-elect Preckwinkle. Mm -hmm. All right? And I often wonder, if those two uh, automatic candidates are true to their word, they're going to ask for a deference on this all-important vote. That's what they say when they come on the Ben Jarofsky show. That's what they say. All right? So which way do you think the city council will go if the mayor-elect gets up in front of the city council and says, you know what, I want you to defer in this so I can look and I can have my financial wizards look through this contract and see if it's in our best interest. Who do you think the council will go, the outgoing mayor or the incoming mayor? Well, you know what, I, I this is really interesting you're saying this because I was hoping that the meeting that just passed two weeks ago, I was hoping that they would, either one of them would show up for public comment and they didn't. And if I was running for mayor, I would have been there. I would have been there and I would have gave my public comment because 50 people are sitting there, they're listening to what you have to say. I don't know what the hurry is here. The Sterling Bay is not going away. They're not gonna go away if we wait till, till November, uh, September, right? Or if we wait till June or July, they're not going anywhere. They're not gonna back out of this deal. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the hurry here? They, because the mayor, want, Aram wants it to be his legacy? The ego legacy. The ego legacy. Yeah. That's what it is, right? I mean, so I don't know. I hope they're there. I hope they're there in April. If they're listening, I hope whoever is the mayor at that point shows up and the newly mayor or elect shows up and, and gives their word. All right. You hear that, Lori? You hear that, Tony? 
That's what Sue Sadlowski Garza is saying from the 10th Ward. Uh, we have Jake Lewis, who'll be coming on from the Chicago Federation of Labor. Sue Sadlowski Garza in, in her uh, uh, ish, her top aide. Maybe I can twist her arm to stay a little longer. We'll see. We'll be right back after this. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read The Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. commercial break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun Times. yes indeed sue sadlowski garza said she had to leave i twisted her arm and she got, got her to stay a little while longer jake lewis has joined us as well from the chicago federation of labor jake welcome to the show oh so good to be back ben yeah it's good to be back jake was a frequent visitor to my last show uh, wherever that was can't remember where it was yeah, somewhere either. we missed you jake yeah we, we got some luxury <laughs> so digs much here closer. Yeah, I know. so much closer and uh jake you're sitting next to a legend from the southeast oh. side of the city of chicago sue sadlowski garza all right now, Sue, before I let you get out that door, I got to ask you the all important question. 
Jake's listening as well because I'm more interested in what uh, he has to say on this, and that is this. You talk about a labor needs. You talk about the need for Chicago to remain a city filled with good, high-paying, uh, union-protected jobs. Mm-hmm. The rights people have for collective bargaining is our last mayor. I know a lot of my labor friends love him to death. I'm not quite sure why. A little weak on labor issues, particularly when it comes to teachers in unions. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, so what's your thoughts when you see the race we have now? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, president of the Cook County Board, versus Lori Lightfoot. Have you, first of all, endorsed anybody in the race? I haven't endorsed anybody. Um my union did. I actually am staying independent, and I'm actually excited about both of them, first of all, uh, because we have the chance to have the first black woman mayor, which I think is an amazing, amazing, um, contrib- will be an amazing contribution to Chicago. But I'm not going to endorse anybody. And truth be told, both of them lost my word miserably. Uh, they both got 533 votes, respectively. The same amount of votes Is that dead right? last. Wow. 533 votes apiece. Who was the breakdown? Who won your award? Chico won my award. Uh, Mendoza, Daly. Daly. Uh, Vallis. Yeah, Daly was third. Vallis Daly, was man, he's going to cut all those pension funds. He won the I, tip for it. Yeah, listen, I, here, here's the thing. You yeah. know what? Nobody saw Lori coming. Yeah. You know, they, they spent the, the five months, all the top tier candidates were bashing each other, throwing this, throwing barbs, throwing that, and boom, shakalaka. <laughs> there she goes. People, but, but what does that tell us as a society, yeah. right? People are sick of the status quo. Yeah, They're man. sick of it. That's the thing. You look all across this country, uh, Ocasio, and I mean, just on and on. People are sick of the status quo. That's what it is. They want something different, and they don't care what it is. Look at the guy in the White House. They don't care. And the Democratic Party better start taking a look oh, at that. We're going to talk about yeah. that. We're going to talk about Jake. What's your thoughts on what Sue just said? Well, you're, you're absolutely right. She came out of nowhere. And I think a, a good thing to remember here is so often in politics, you hear about how money determines the outcome of the election and whoever has the most money is going to win. That was not the case uh, in the primary by far. I mean, the, the, the candidate who raised the most money, Bill Daly, didn't make the runoff. Mm-hmm. And you had Lori Lightfoot, who was significantly further behind in the money race, and, and she's in there now. So don't necessarily look at the fundraising numbers. You got to look at the electorate. You got to look at the issues that people are thinking about. Those are much more important than, than dollars and cents. hundred percent. And people, you know what people, the, the political people that are out there keep looking at the numbers, right? The numbers, the money numbers, the poll numbers, the, this numbers, throw that crap out the door, brother. Cause that don't, that don't adhere no more. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So now let me ask you this. And I'll, Jake, this question will go to you. So you're going to have time to think about it. I'm going to ask Sue right oh, now. Great. And that is this. So many of my friends of the Tony Perkwinkle persuasion are uh, trying to convince me to vote for Tony over Lori because they say we I, we can't trust Lori Lightfoot on issues that matter to you, which is funny. The issues that matter to me, nobody's ever championed before. <laughs> so I'm like, what? <laughs> why would she be any different than anyone else? Uh, but anyway, uh, in other words, fair distribution of city money. We talk about the TIF program, you know, uh, and uh, supporting unions and supporting labor and not beating up the teachers union, uh, which is what's a favorite tactic of Mayor Rahm in his first term. So uh, do you share what or let me put it to you this way. What words of assurance could you give people in the city of Chicago that Lori Lightfoot is not uh, worthy of these worst fears that so many people are trying to spread? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I, you can never dispel people's fears because they're genuine. They're their feelings. I'm not going to try to take those away from them. But I mean, Lori Lightfoot came out of nowhere. Nobody knew anything about her. I knew about her because she sat on the 
She was an ap- appointed to the police board thing. She seems like a very smart, independent, strong woman. Tony Preckwinkle's credentials are way better than hers. She was an alderman. She's a Cook County board president. I know where she stands on labor. I mean, she's consistently been on the right side of the fence for a lot of things. But I think people are looking at her like somebody that's been here too long and is part of the machine. And that's the press is spinning it that way, right? I mean, she's getting killed in the press, and that's not fair because what you read in the press is not always true. So um, that's that's where I feel that she's getting a raw deal. I really do. Um, Talk about Tony's getting Tony's a raw deal. Tony's getting a raw mm-hmm. deal, yeah, because she does have the qualifications. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. And she's always been on the right side of the fence as far as labor, unions, teachers, She's always done the right thing. I just think people are looking at Lori as something fresh, something different. Um, I talk to people about Lori all the time, and they're like, oh, I didn't know that. They didn't know that she was appointed by Rom. They didn't know what she did before that. They just look at her as somebody different. Mm -hmm. And that's politically, people aren't taking a look at what that means to people. But do you have concerns that Lori Lightfoot might turn in? You don't have concerns that she's going to betray the union movement or betray? Um, She made a comment that worried me a little bit. You know, we have to hold these unions accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, That She said that in one of the debates. I don't know what that means. Um, It's up to us to make sure she doesn't eradicate unions as we know it. We fought too hard. No one's going to break the labor movement in Chicago. I mean, I think we're too strong. I mean, we've showed that with Rauner. Right, I mean, yep. he, we won Chicago. <laughs> Chicago, Chicago kicked his butt. Yeah, um, and I mean, we did. I mean, that's. Yeah. I don't. There's no way that we're not going to let a mayor. And here's the thing: if she does, if she if she squeaks in there and starts wreaking havoc on the Union Brothers and Sisters movement, then you know there'll be hell to pay because we're strong, and she'll be one and done. You know what I mean by that, right? I know what one and done is. <laughs> uh, Jake, your thoughts? Well, I think you're absolutely right. The, the labor movement was a big, big winner in November of last year with uh, the gubernatorial election and the other elections up and down the ticket and, and all over the state, really. And I think even coming out of the primary, you're seeing two candidates emerge who, by and large, are uh, friendly to labor, open yeah. to labor, willing to work with labor, willing to listen to labor. Um, and that's... That's a great thing. I mean, it, yeah. it's good that there are two choices. You've seen some some folks go in with Lightfoot. You've seen some go, folks go with Preckwinkle. To be clear, the the CFL is neutral in the race, and I think that's right. uh, a good thing to to keep in mind. But um, whoever is the next mayor, uh, whoever it's going to be, first of all, it's important to recognize, just as you said, historic that it's going to be a black woman uh, as mayor, absolutely. and something that we should absolutely be celebrating. And number two, we're interested in working with them, interested in moving the city forward, making so sure that I. working people are represented. All right, now uh, I feel let's move out of Chicago for a while, talk about some uh, presidential politics. Oh, uh, a- as I keep saying, uh, Sue, April 3rd, <sighs> everything changed. It's, it's all about the 2020 election and who the Democrats are gonna nominate, who they think is the best person to take on one President mm. Donald John Trump. And um, your ward, Whoa, your ward is is, is sort of a, a very interesting barometer because I believe Trump got about th- he won 30%? the southern part of my ward. Yeah, 
Yeah. So you have Trump voters. Yeah. You know about Trump voters. Oh, yes, I do. Uh, and uh, so what are your like early thoughts on the presidential uh, race and, the, and particularly the Democratic primary? So we need to take into account, especially the Democratic Party, we need to take into account what's happening. Exactly right back to what I said. People want something different. Today's paper, the Chicago Sun-Times, by the way, has an article in there about Run, Oprah, run. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, I'm not opposed to that at this point because mm-hmm. we need to figure out who's going to be able to beat this guy. And that's that's where I'm at mentally and politically. I don't know if, you know, Bernie can do it. I don't know if the momentum is still there. I don't know if Joe Biden can do it. Um, we really need to think about who can beat Trump. The, the My main goal is we need to get him out. Whatever we have to do, we have to get him out. Seriously. Oh, but but we've also got to make sure that we're pushing a forward-thinking agenda that's going to help lift up working people. I mean, I think when you look back at 2016, in those key states that Trump won, sort of surprise states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, a lot of people didn't know what Hillary was, what the agenda Hillary was bringing to the table and why it was going to help working people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we just have to make sure that we're up and out front with and we don't disregard those voters, we don't leave them behind, or we don't only give them the message of this is somebody who's different from Trump. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on that, but I also think that um, the people that vote, this is going to sound really bad, but there's a lot of people, not everyone, that voted for Trump that are uneducated voters. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what we tell them or what information we give them, they're going to look at the person that's running, and if there's somebody that they recognize and has been part of that political scene for a long time, they're shying away from those people. That's happening across the country. I'm not saying that we have to run Mickey Mouse by (laughs) any means, but, well, that could be better than what we got, but um, I just think that we have to be really smart about what we do, and we do have to have a message that resonates with people, not just drain the swamp, right? People think that politicians, and this is politicians in Washington or Springfield or in Chicago, they think that politicians don't get it. They think that politicians right. don't care about them, yep. and they think that whatever a politician is saying is not going to pan out. It's going to be a lie, or it's a deception, or it's a mistruth, whatever the case is. We have to make sure that we start earning back that trust, um, that the policies that uh, we're putting forward are going to be ones that lift up everybody. Uh, they don't just go to the people at the very top. They don't just go to the elites. Uh, we want to make sure that working people, regardless of party, really know that when we're going there and we're fighting for them, we actually mean it. All right, oh, let's get down a little specifics here. That uh, shows how difficult this challenge is. Now, follow me on what I'm about to say. I talked about this earlier in the show. Uh, there's a story in today's Sun-Times by Tina Svandelis about a poll, mm-hmm. a poll regarding Pritzker and yep. uh, his unpopularity in regions of Illinois. Uh, J.B. Pritzker, I did not vote for him in the Democratic primary, but I will concede this point. J.B. Pritzker has already signed into law uh, a bill that would raise the minimum wage in the uh, uh, state of Illinois, and he's also proposed uh, a bill that would uh, raise the top rates that the wealthiest people have to pay. I love so, it. Progressive politics, okay? Yep. <laughs> His unfavorables in the state of Illinois are on par with Donald John Trump, I know. who has done the exact opposite. He opposes the minimum wage, Donald Trump does, and has a tax bill uh, that he through through Congress last year that would uh, cut the rates that the wealthiest people do. Now, Sue, how can you have a message 
if like the guy who's pushing the message that so many people supposedly want a progressive tax, you know, a raise in the minimum wage, this is what people supposedly working people want or union people want or uh, liberal people want, et cetera. And he's still tanking. Still tanking. What is that so all about? It goes right back to my point. Here's the thing. Those people in downstate Illinois where he's tanking in the polls are not educated on what he's doing. Most... I don't know, 90% of the people that vote are not educated on the issues. They're voting because the lady looks better or he's cute or she's black or she's white. Or that, that's how people vote, at least in the 10th Ward. At least in the 10th Ward, that's what they do. How many people and have come to me in the past month and said, who should I vote for? Who are you voting for? Tell me who you're voting for because that's who I vote for. I, you know, I never realized like how much influence somebody can have with that. And and I've said, well, and I've given them my pros and cons about both. Mm-hmm. Make up your own mind, right? We got to teach people on how to educate themselves on voting. We're talking to three people around this table who educate ourselves on candidates. We're not the norm. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no. Well, we're not. No, that's not the norm and, and, on anything. No, well, but, but the point being, and j- yeah. just to what Jake says, we can get the message out. But guess what? The message ain't resonating because we got the message out about Hillary. They looked at her as part of the problem. Well, and it's again, it goes back to trust. I mean, people don't trust politicians. More and more, they don't trust the news media. The people that they do trust are the folks around them, their neighbors, right. their friends, folks they go to church with. That's uh, why Oprah could win. Yeah, and and, and there's so much misinformation out there there's so much fake news there's so much stuff on social media and it it swirls around in people's heads and then they just don't know who to believe anymore and it's a it's a serious problem when you're talking about serious issues like raising the minimum wage and fixing the state budget i will say about that that simon poll specifically so pritzker in that poll is about a plus two favorability on net uh trump is a minus 20 so his numbers aren't great pritzker's numbers aren't great but trump's numbers are way way worse and that's something to (laughs) keep in mind in the state that's true. And the other thing is... Wait, explain that. Just break that out yeah, a little bit. You so, may have lost a lot of listeners. You said that so fast. Go through and break out that. So when you look at these these job approval polls, what they'll say is, do you approve of the job they're doing or do you disapprove mm-hmm. of the job they're doing? And then the, the easiest way to get sort of a quick snapshot of that information is to take the net favorability or the net job approval. And that's literally just the people who think you're doing a good job minus the people who think you're doing a bad job. Pritzker in this Simon poll was 40 good, 38 bad. So that's a plus two on net. I see. Uh, Trump was a minus 20 on net. So even though those you know thumbs up numbers, those positive job approval numbers are in the same region for both of those politicians, those minuses are way, way higher for Trump. Uh, and definitely a good thing to, to keep in mind when you're looking at these poll numbers. The other thing I will say just very quickly is Pritzker's favorability numbers never really got that high, even during the campaign. No, they didn't. So, and and a lot of it was negative stories and mm. and um, he's a billionaire. Yeah, th- there were a variety of different attacks that he weathered. He won by 15 points, so the, yeah. the people of Illinois clearly chose him. But it isn't really terribly surprising to see sort of uneven coming out uh, a few months after he's taken office. All right, that's Jake Lewis, who said Oscar's in the studio as well. We're going to take a brief break and come back to close it up. Be right back. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. All right, so here's how this works. 
The Vendorovsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download The Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, All right. take us home. Yeah, that's Ish on piano. Oh, uh, wow. not only <laughs> when he's not uh, being chief of staff to Sue Gars, he plays the piano, man. He went to Whitney Young High School. Did you know that? Harmonica as well. He, he actually he does play harmonica and piano. Oh, you should hear him on ukulele. He does a great imitation of Tiny Tim. I do not believe that. <laughs> he don't even know who Tiny Tim is, man. Tiny Ish. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know this about Ish. Tip-toe. Ish went to high school with Carlos Ramirez Reds. He sure did. You know, with Carlos, all right? He knew Carlos back in the day. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, that, that beautiful music, uh, which is not Ish, but that beautiful music means we're uh, coming down the wire, another great show, and uh, Sue Sadlowski Garza and Jake Lewis in the studio. And uh, so you mentioned Oprah. Yeah. Are you for real about Oprah? Do you think Oprah could win over being- voters in the 10th Ward? I, I'm being, you know what, I'm being silly and sarcastic, but to be perfectly honest with you, it goes right back to what Jake said. She's somebody, somebody, she's somebody that people trust, mm-hmm. even though she's a TV personality. She's somebody that people, you know, don't see as a politician. She's somebody that people trust and go to every single day, have went to every day for 25 years. It's She's the perfect candidate, you know, a.k.a. Ronald Reagan. I don't know. If a guy from The Apprentice... <laughs> You know, I know. Yeah, I'm seriously, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm being sarcastic, but it's not so far fetched. Yeah, it really isn't. You know what? It's funny. Uh, here in the city of Chicago, I call it the David Axelrod question because it's like people like Axelrod frames it this way whenever he talks about his pals. Are they ready to lead from day one? You know, it's mm. like is this one mayor ready to read? And so uh, nobody ever question. seems to ask that question of a celebrity. You know, Donald John Trump never did anything remotely resembling being president of the United States. People in this country elected him. How do they know he was ready to lead from day I one? I don't think anybody's ready to be to lead from day one because you'd never know. Running for office is a lot different than sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. 
absolutely 100%. If I thought I was ready to lead from day one, but it was a totally different can of worms when I got there. It's not, it's not the same animal. It isn't. And anybody says, I'm ready to lead from day one. You don't know what's coming at you. You don't know what balls and bullets are going to become. You have no clue. So you have to think quick on your feet. You have to make sure you do the right thing and make sure you keep your allegiances where they're supposed to be. And if I make sure that I do that all the time, I'll be fine. So, Jake, what do you think? Oprah for president? Do you think she could win over uh, members of the Chicago Federation of Labor? I mean, I'm I'm out of the the prediction game after being wrong over and over again for about the last five it's years. You're thinking but, politically, yeah. <laughs> but I will say, I mean. It, the, the trust issue is absolutely one mm-hmm. of them, and I think that she checks that box right out of the gate. People know her. They trust her. Uh, a lot of people like her, uh, turn to her for advice. I mean, they turn to her for advice, what to do around the house, what to do with the kids. What I mean, thinking about them. Yes, yeah, marriage. Kids. Why not what to do with the country? I will say, you go through a presidential uh, campaign, and that is going through the ringer. So if you yeah. want to get a sense of test someone's mettle, see how they are on their feet, see how they are in crisis situations, maybe crisis situations they haven't seen on their own talk show, well, let's let's take a look and see how they go through the campaign. But look, we've got, what, 17, 18 candidates yeah. on the Democratic side who are stepping up and why not? Let's yeah. let's throw. I'd say the more the merrier, and let's uh, let's go through the campaign and, and see who comes out on top. All right, very good. And finally, uh, this point, uh, we were talking about Donald Trump's appeal. Uh, this the, the article right in front of me. Prez keeps up McCain attacks, claims credit for a funeral. Oh God! Uh, Donald Trump keeps lowering the bar on what's acceptable behavior, uh, what people should tolerate from tolerate. Excuse me, from the president of the United mm-hmm. States. And the bar keeps getting lower and lower, and his support in the Republican Party uh, is wavering. Well, it's still pretty high, 83%, according to this poll, Republicans in Illinois. Is there ever going to be accountability for Donald Trump? Ever? No. I don't think there ever will be. If there hasn't been already, I think there never will be. I think it's a disgrace and a shame not a McCain fan. Polit- I don't agree with his politics. The guy was a prisoner of war, did what he did. In the end, he came out like a shining star. He, I mean, he really did. I mean, he handpicked Obama to speak at his funeral. He stood up and he voted against the repeal for Obamacare. He saw the light at the very end. Who knows? I, but this is shameful. It, uh, on behalf, the president of the United States is shaming someone that doesn't deserve that. It's such a disrespectful thing to do, but you know, he's been disrespectful from the get-go. Why would we expect anything different? The man is insane. Why aren't we starting impeachment processes on the fact that he is incapable of being a president? That's, he's, come on. What the hell are they doing? If this was Obama, he'd already be in the impeachment process. I completely agree with everything Sue Sadlowski Garza said, Jake. Uh, The only time that there's gonna be any accountability for Donald Trump, in my opinion, is going to be in November of 2020. And my hope is the people of this country are going to say enough is enough and they're going to boot him out of there. I think 30 percent of this country is is locked in, frozen, supports him no matter what. He could, you know, do backflips down Michigan Avenue and and uh, he could do whatever he wanted and they would support him. Maybe if he did backflips, he would like say, it a little more. But <laughs> what do you say? He was I didn't try to Fifth think of something really bad that he could right. do in a back. He could stand in Fifth Trump Avenue and shoot back. someone. Right. Yeah. So, um, like but I think November 2020 is is the accountability that, that he's going to get. But the thing to remember is even if he gets blown out 
in November of 2020. The guy is going to be around for a while, and mm -hmm. he's going to be a Republican kingmaker, and he's going to be a cudgel that hopefully people can use uh, to differentiate themselves in politics. All right, that's Jake Lewis from the Chicago Federation of Labor. Thank you for coming on. Also want to thank Alderwoman Sue Sedlowski, guards of the pride and joy of the 10th Ward-ish. Her right-hand man, the man, is a beautiful keyboard player. We're going to bring him back to do some more songs. Uh, Lear Galil was here earlier today talking about the Lollapalooza lineup. Uh, let's see, Miles Porter, our ace editor, was weighing in on his opinions on the Lollapalooza uh, lineup. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. Wait, are we about to roll out? Yes, sir, we are. Well, not quite yet, sir, because we got to find out which movie. Oh, oh. after careful consideration All and right, decision. Well, let, me, let me lay it out here for everybody. It's our, it's our Nick Offerman ticket giveaway. What we did is we went to the Facebook and Twitter pages and asked all of you to give Ben a movie suggestion because he loves Netflix. And no, not the streaming. He does the thing from like early 2000s and has them delivered to him. What movie should Ben watch next? Yeah, it turns out he's seen like most of your guys' suggestions. But we've narrowed it down to two. Those two are the movie Brick from our Twitter friend Ant. What's going on, Ant? <laughs> Gotta love Twitter. And P, one letter, P, she suggested layer cake. By the way, we're calling this segment Recommendations. Um, <laughs> so, Ben Jarofsky, Ant or layer cake? All right, I'm going to watch them both. Oh. Uh, but, Sue, I'm not tucking and dodging, okay? <laughs> the first one I'm going to watch. The first one I'm going to order. Brick. I'm going with Brick. He's going Brick. Donald Craig, all right? right? I'm going with Brick. That okay? means, Ant, you are the winner. Ant, I'm going <laughs> to reach out to you. I hope you're a person and not an ant. Uh, and uh, I'll get your contact info. Don't be creeped out. It's just me, Dennis. All right, very good. Oh, that, there's a Brick. There. <laughs> brick. House. House. <laughs> oh, mighty, mighty. Going to make it. Oh, sorry. Anyway, Sue Salowski Garza. We live in the 70s, baby. Uh, Dr. D did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Thank you. You guys killed it, man. Guys. Hey, before we get out of here, everybody, we would like to remind you that the Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by unions. We'd like to thank the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and big thank you to the Chicago Federation of Labor. <laughs> <laughs>